my battery hasn't gone. I'm firing all, on all cylinders and ready to go. <laughs> yes. Um, I've got an advert first. <laughs> right. Um, loads of things to share with you this morning. Um, the Alpha course is going to start on the 18th of September on a Monday here. And I'm very excited about that. We've got a nice team being formed, and we're going to get that together. Uh, I'm really excited that th at least three of the members of the team are people who've become Christians on previous Alpha courses, either here or at another church. And, and that's really exciting. That's what Alpha's supposed to do, to bring people to, together. So if you haven't been on an Alpha course, I'd like to give you an invitation to come if you... Uh, I'll, I'll just I'll stick with this one. Yeah, that's, this is working. <laughs> this is working fine. Um, yes, if you have recently become a Christian, an Alpha course is a good way to go through the basic things of your Christian faith. Um, if you are interested in learning about the Christian faith, the Alpha course is for you. We start with a meal or some food, that's always nice. And then we watch a, a video on a topic that's different each week. And then we have a discussion group to talk about those things. And in the discussion groups, that's where you can ask all sorts of questions that you've got that you want to find answers to. And that's really a good time together. Um, so I've ordered some invitation cards. Now the next thing I need you to do as a congregation is think who you could invite to come on the Alpha course. That first session on Monday the 18th of September is a taster session so you can come along and see if you think this is for me or bring your friend along. Um, and if it is, come for the rest of the course and if it's not for you, that's fine. There's no pressure to come back. But there are uh, some of these in the foyer, if you'd like to take some, prayerfully give them to your friends with an invitation to come. That would be brilliant. Now, as I said, some people have become Christians here in the last couple of years, and that's great. And I have to tell you, in our little prayer time this morning, John prayed that there'd be somebody else here this morning who wants to become a Christian who would become a Christian today. And that's great. We're always open to have new brothers and sisters join us. Um, and I've been thinking about this. New Christians praying to ask Jesus into their hearts through there on a Sunday at the lunch meeting that we have has been great. Some people have become Christians here. What do we mean by that? What are the basic things of becoming a Christian? And I want to tell you about four basic things, four steps to becoming a Christian. The one that we start with is usually believing, and we'll explain the gospel, what Jesus did on the cross, as we've thought about in communion this morning, Jesus dying for us. So believing and repenting, turning away from our life of sin and unbelief. Actually, I was talking about to somebody I know very closely recently, and he said, well, I don't believe in God. If there is a God, 
I'll get to heaven because I've been a good fella. I've led a good life. And my heart sank because the Bible says, Isaiah 64 verse 6, that our good works are like filthy rags to God. If, if God is the great, perfect God, our attempts to please him are just filthy and they're sinful. Even our best efforts. And we need to repent. So believe, repent, be baptized in water and receive the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to look at... I hope I've got time to look at four passages of scripture with you this morning where we'll see those, those four components. And before I get into it, baptism is the one I want to focus on because we haven't had a baptist service, a baptism service here for at least four years. And those of you who've become Christians need to get baptized as believers. And there are some people who have joined our church in recent years and you don't know how we do it. Well, we always take them down to the North Sea and plunge them in. <laughs> no, I jest. Oh. To this. Go up to this mic. Thank you. I was thinking of bringing a sketchboard and doing it for you, but see this bamboo pole? Well, I found a little hole in the stage here. And it, watch this carefully. That's our baptistry. It's dry. And it's time we got it filled with water and warmed it up so that new Christians can get baptized. I'm glad you agree with me. The reason I'm mentioning it was, if you remember the last time I preached here, it was at the end of June, I preached on the transfiguration. And I thought, well, since Jesus went up a mountain with his disciples, in preparation for that preach, I'll go up to Simon's side, climb the hill. Uh, I took my Bible with me thinking I'd get some fresh revelation. Well, there were a lot of people on the hill that day. You remember June was quite hot and sunny, and I didn't get anything. But as I was walking back down, I was having fellowship with God as I was walking along, just praying and praising. And I felt he said, the new Christians need to be baptized. So Jay was away on holiday, when he came back, I spoke to him about it. I said, I think you need to pray about this, Jay. And he said, I'll pray about it. Knowing that he only had a few weeks left here. He said, but if I don't, I know somebody who will baptize them. And he pointed at me. <laughs> I've shared this with Sheila. And we've, the leaders felt that this was something that we should encourage. So... I want to talk it up from today, and I'll explain what to do about it later on. But when Jay set, pointed his finger at me, I wasn't sure whether he was just joking or whether he was being serious, but 
when he, when he pointed his finger, I certainly felt, I've got to do this. <laughs> so that's, that's one of the four basic things of becoming a Christian. John chapter 3. Would you turn with me if you've got your Bible? We've, we've sung some lovely old songs this morning, and it's great to sing them again. And here in John's Gospel, we read about a Pharisee named Nicodemus. He's a great favorite of our Sunday lunch club. The, the people there who always seem to ask me about who Nicodemus was, and we're going to read about him this morning. He was a Jewish ruler, a member of the Sanhedrin. So one of the top Jewish people, he came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. Now, I think that tells us Nicodemus was halfway to believing in Jesus. Not quite certain he was exploring it. If there'd been an alpha course then, <laughs> he could have come and done it. But it hadn't been invented. Now, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Oh, Nicodemus is completely baffled by that. How can a man be born when he's old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he can't enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Born of water. That's Jesus talking about being baptized and being filled with the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. Your heart, you, you hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it, is, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Nicodemus, how can this be, Lord? You're Israel's teacher, says Jesus, and you don't understand these things. I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we've seen. But still, you people don't accept our testimony. And then he goes on into verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes is not condemned. Jesus was telling us to believe in him. And the condemnation that Becky mentioned from all those old things and the past things is taken away. We are no longer condemned. And then in verse 19, he says, the verdict, the verdict is this. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. 
Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly seen that what he has done has been done through God. So he didn't use the, he used the word believe earlier on. He doesn't use the word repent in those last couple of verses. But as we turn from darkness to light, turning around is what repentance is. So Jesus is referring to baptism in water, baptism in the spirit, believing in him, and repenting. I don't think it's too important which order you get those four things in, as long as you get them. I was baptized here in 1974. I'd become a believer in Liverpool as a student in 1972. I'd been baptized in Liverpool in 1972. And then in 1974, I was part of the Baptist church that was meeting here then, doing youth work, and it went downhill. <laughs> it went wrong. And I went off to a Bible conference to find out what's going on. I felt something was missing. And I, I came across a preacher there, Pastor Jim, I can't remember his surname, from Bradford, from a holiness church, a house church in, Brad, in Bradford. He preached about the new heart. Exactly the same message, almost exactly the same message that Pastor Jay preached here on the 9th of July. Do you remember he spoke about the, the heart? It was almost the same message. And I knew my heart wasn't clean. So it took me from 1972 to 1976 to get these things sorted out. And in 1976, I went to see Jim and I said, Jim, there's something wrong here. And he said, you need to repent. And then you can get a new heart. God will give it to you. It's part of, it's part of the package. It's part of the deal. And that, I'm pleased to say, was what happened. So it doesn't matter if this is a period of time we're talking about. Because being born again is a process. It's a process. Yes, there are instantaneous parts you get filled with the Spirit, pow, and that's brilliant. You'll get baptized in water, and that's a one-off event. Um, I'm using all my illustrations, but this is lovely. I mentioned to Margie on, on Tuesday night after the prayer time that something about baptism. And I said to her, have you, do you mind if I, just saying I'm okay. I should have asked you before, I'm sorry. <laughs> I said, were you baptized after you believed on, on the Alpha course? And she said, oh, yes. And her face lit up. And she told me about what had happened and how her family had come to the baptismal service. And it was great. And that's a wonderful example of the value of being baptized. Because you know for certain you've made a public confession I'm going to follow Jesus through the water of baptism. Now, I said I'd look at some other passages. Uh, how did the early church treat these four items that I've mentioned? 
in Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up to explain to the crowd what had happened when the Holy Spirit came. You're all good Pentecostal Christians, so I know you're familiar with this passage. But let me just read a few bits of it to you. In 22 and to 24. Men of Israel, says Peter, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Hallelujah. Thank you for saying praise God. It's fantastic. God raised him because death couldn't hold him. And he, he preaches the gospel to them. And then in verse 36, Peter says, Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah, or Christ. That's what God has done. When the people heard this, now this is what I'm really getting to. What was the effect? When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And the Greek word means pierced, like a, a knife going in. I was met at the door this morning by Sheila, who was hammering to get the, the bolts open. And as, as, she, as she opened the door, she was standing there with a knife. She was using the, the handle of the knife to release the door, door bolts. I thought was, I was done for. <laughs> but she welcomed me graciously. <laughs> These people were cut to the heart as they realized the truth that Jesus was their Messiah and they'd put him to death. And the good news that God had raised him up. I think this passage here doesn't use the word believe, but I think these people believed when that word cut to the heart indicates a deep move, a deep change occurred when they realized this. And they say to Peter, what shall we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So repent, baptize, and Holy Spirit being received are three clearly mentioned points. And I'm saying that when the people were cut to the heart, they believed as well. So all four were involved. And with many other words, he encouraged them. And 3,000 people were baptized. <laughs> wow. I'm, I don't think we'll have 3,000 at our baptismal service, Sheila, but we'll see. <laughs> there are two other passages in Acts that we need to look at. That was Peter in Jerusalem. Turn with me to Acts chapter 8, where we see... A different 
Christian leader, Philip. He goes to Samaria. A persecution has arisen in Jerusalem, and Jesus had warned them that was going to happen and told them to go out with the gospel. And here's Philip. He goes to a town in Samaria. Um, verse I think it is. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all played, paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in the city. Now I'm going to miss a couple of verses, but I'll come back to them in a minute. Verse 12, when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. And when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They'd simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So, might be you've been coming a while and, and you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, here's what happened when the apostles laid hands to bless them and to pray for the Holy Spirit to come. These people at Samaria received and were filled. I mentioned Simon. Now, let's go back to verse... I'm sorry, I can't see the little numbers. <laughs> right, a bit further back... Nine, I think it is, yeah. There was a guy there called Simon, and he practiced sorcery in the city, and he amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man has the divine power, known as the great power. And they followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. Now, this was not Paul Daniel's style of magic. This was sorcery. The Greek word for sorcery is one you know. It's almost the same as an English word. It's pharmakia, pharmacist. So this pharmacist, as well as giving out medicine, he, the medicine was covered by spells and occult formulations. He gave out amulets and rings and jewelry to keep the people in bondage to the occult powers. But you'll notice, actually it was a very common thing to be going on. He was the medicine man of the town, right? But you'll notice Simon himself believed and was baptized. He heard the gospel and he, he responded to it miraculously. That's, the people must have, the Christians there must have thought, wow, this is great. Simon's become a believer. But when he sees Peter and John laying his hands on, on them and the power of the Holy Spirit coming, Simon says, 
give me that power. I'll pay you for it. And Peter sees into his soul and says, repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. There was something in Simon. He'd become a believer and been baptized, but there was still something in his heart that said, I want to be the, the powerful man. And Peter saw it and confronted him and said, repent. Verse 24, Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. I believe that Simon actually did repent. His answer is a soft, a gentle answer. He, he, he repented and be, then would be able to be free in Christ. So at that church in Samaria, we see these four basic principles at work. Repent, believe, be baptized, be, be, and receive the Holy Spirit. And my last, you're listening very well, I must say, you're doing great. My last section is the Apostle Paul himself going to Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. Someone called Apollos had been there and preached the gospel. And they'd been baptized into the baptism that John the Baptist used, which was a, a baptism for repentance. You remember John the Baptist, he told people, uh, share your clothes and your food with those who have none. And he, he'd been quite confrontational towards tax collectors who took too much money. And to soldiers, he'd said, be content with your wages. That's real repentance if you're content with your wages. So when Paul comes, he meets with them and, and he notices there's something missing. So he asks them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. So the Apostle Paul does for them what I believe Jay has been doing for us in the last two years. He, he spots a problem and puts it right. And here, Paul says, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. And that lovely little group of just 12, they were called disciples in verse 1. That little group of 12 was all Paul needed to establish a church. And he stayed with them for three months, meeting in the synagogue, till the, the Jewish people there objected and caused a bit of trouble. So they moved next door to the, whole, the hall of Tyrannus. And, and I nearly said Pastor Jay, but I meant Paul stayed with them for two years and shared the gospel. You see the similarity? It's not lost on me. Paul stayed with them, and these believers heard the word of the Lord. 
did they repent? Well, read on a bit to verse 18. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery, it's the same word, the pharmakia word, burnt, uh, practiced sorcery, brought their scrolls together and burnt them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. A drachma is a day's wage. 50,000 times 10 pounds an hour times eight hours in a day is two million pounds at today's price. That's repentance. And I mention that because there are people associated with our church who are involved with organizations where they've made pledges to false gods and they have paraphernalia that needs to be burnt. And we lovingly have to show them that. And true repentance will occur when that happens and, and we'll know that they've been changed by Jesus. Two million pounds worth. What a bonfire that was. Well, I guess we could get a, an oil drum in the outside there and set fire to anything we need to get rid of. So, let me just summarize what I'm saying. Repent, believe, be baptized, be receiving the Holy Spirit. Those are the four basic steps. And I want to ask, because we've had a period where lockdown prevented things happening, and at first we didn't have many new Christians, any new Christians, but we have some now. And if you're in one of the, if you're in that position, I want to ask you very specifically to consider being baptized in water as a public declaration that you are now a follower of Jesus. When we baptize you, we'll ask you if you've repented of your sins and we'll baptize you into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father and the Holy Spirit. And it's symbolic of your old self dying as you go into the water and your new resurrected self being brought up out of the water. And it's a lovely, joyful occasion. And there's lots of people nodding, remembering their own baptism, saying, yes, it was great when I was baptized. So I want to specifically ask if that's you and you know you need to be baptized, please would you speak to either Sheila or myself and we'll put your name down and we'll organize a baptismal service. The boards lift up at the back here. We fill it with water and then we put an immersion heater in so that it's warm. Oh, it's a hot tap straight off the boiler. Oh, we've, we've gone up in the world. Well, I've learned something this morning. Right, so we'll baptize you in warm water. Wow, that's better than the North Sea. <laughs> but if there are people listening to this video online and you have mobility issues and you can't get here, I feel so strongly about this the importance if you've become a believer and you want to be baptized and you can't get here or up these steps, I'll find somewhere that has a hoist, a swimming pool with a hoist or a, an old folks home with a big bath and a hoist. And I know there's one at Eastbourne House and we'll baptize you 
It's one way or another. It's that important. And everybody here is saying, yes, amen. We're going to do it. When, when I spoke to Sheila about this, and not the, not the swimming pool bit and the you spoke out, about the baptismal bit, she thought we might be able to arrange this sometime, I think, the 15th of October. So that's a, a target date. You've got time to think about it. I'm not putting you under pressure this morning. But I would like to invite you to make this important step. Because once you've been baptized, if the devil comes to you or a friend comes to you and says, oh, you're not a Christian, you can look back at that water and say, I am. I was baptized. <laughs> Pat, can I tell them the story about your baptism? Is that all right? Yes. Mrs. Hutchinson. It's lovely to have a baptismal service where the candidates are invited to share a word of testimony, to tell the, the people here why they're being baptized. And I remember many years ago now when there were a group of people being baptized and Pat was one of them. And I think she got a bit nervous. It is a very nerve-wracking experience, that bit. And as well as just saying why she was being baptized, she started chatting with uh, another lady, another candidate, and the two of them were having a two-way conversation. <laughs> and we were all in stitches over it. We thought it was very funny. It was very real and very natural and very lovely. And that occasion is really very special. If you've missed out on any of those other points and need to put that right, of believing, receiving, being baptized. Yeah, you know the other one. Um, repenting, yeah. All of those, any of those things, if you need to get right with God this morning, then I would like you to come and stand at the front and we'll pray with you for that. Okay. Exactly, have you got that? Let me pray and then John's got a song to finish. I didn't tell him I was preaching on this, but his song to finish is inspired by the Holy Spirit to fit in really well with this message. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you want us each to come and believe in you and be thoroughly born again, born from above. And I pray, Lord, that these steps that I've outlined this morning would be helpful to your people here and to this church to build us up as we go on following you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, John.